content warning. On this podcast, we discuss sensitive issues, including, but not limited to, swearing, tasteless jokes, situations of a sexual nature, and drug use. This podcast is not intended for children. Hello, and welcome to Bibliorex. I'm Bugs. And I'm Bam Bam. And we did this backwards. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Uh, (laughs) Well, you have to ask me uh, the question. (laughs) What wrecked your Sunday, Bugs? I was wrecked by this amazing amazing (laughs) self-published book Hmm. called shadowed by darkness by j.e davis that sounds incredibly edgy so remember back when we did no more heroes Mm -hmm. and it was a whole anthology of all these random authors doing random stories Hmm. imagine something similar but one of those short stories oh okay and a very bad author oh boy (laughs) (laughs) but it has some twists you will be very surprised by and i'm very excited i wish i could forget no more heroes (laughs) i think that will be pivotal to our audience of whether they liked that or not as to whether they come back (laughs) i mean clearly if you listen to four hours of me then you'll you'll listen to all of our stuff forever and that's our plan we're curating an audience yeah because if you if you don't like that you probably won't like anything we do (laughs) (laughs) that was the best we've got so it's all downhill from here folks oh no hopefully not Mm. so this book is a novella it's only 60 pages long so i'm not going to do a six hour episode today yay i'm hoping to keep this around an hour editing me thanks you yes reading it felt like watching a few different x-file episodes but without the wit or charm Mm. i was desperate for a dana or fox to show up and make me horny or Mm. happy or interested at all Mm -hmm. in what was going on because none of the characters are engaging and that part made me sad the biggest fault of the book is it's written first person present tense oh it can be done it is exhausting but it is very rarely done well Mm -hmm. this author does not do it well but he can't let you know whether they had a past to say it in the past tense Mm -hmm. thus it has to be current so you just don't know so he's trying to make you anxious and on the edge of your seat Mm -hmm. from the get-go yeah so that part was just annoying on page 12 we find out that the character we are following is named will but for the first 11 pages everything is written i so you don't know who i is Mm -hmm. I is doing things, but we don't know who I am. Mm -hmm. Will wakes up in the night and his house is eerily quiet. What? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The black eyed peas. Will, where where, where are ye? (laughs) Will Uh. wakes up in the night and his house is eerily quiet. Everything is dark and there are no lights on in the neighborhood. So we feel like there's been a big, large power outage. Hmm. So he, we're coming in and it's like, I can't hear anything. I can't see anything. It's all dark. And so it's like, okay, 
He's nervous. He doesn't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. I'm nervous too. Okay, what's going on? But then it starts to get weird. Sound is muffled. I quote, I turn and pick up a drinking glass from the counter and drop it in the sink, breaking into pieces. But again, there is a dead sound. By dead sound, I mean there is no echo. It is like something cushioned the blow. I scream. I can hear my voice, but no echo. I grab the soda and twist off the lid, but as the seal broke, there's no fizz. I gradually pour it over my head, but evidently, I'm not dreaming. What? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the weird sound stuff I get, but... Why would being able to pour Coke on your head? (laughs) I'm wondering if he miswrote it and meant something else. Like if he meant to say it some other way, I had to write it down because it was so absurd. I was like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) Because you can have liquid in your dreams and feel wet. Like that's what the whole hand in a bowl of warm water and you piss yourself Yeah. I've had dreams where I drowned. Yeah. Is that real? I had dreams where I used the bathroom. I mean, this is... So it's like he wants you to think he's in a dream. He's describing things like you're in a dream. Like Mm -hmm. noise is muffled. Everything's dark. You're feeling along the walls. None of the lights are turning on. Your Mm -hmm. flashlight's not working. We've all had dreams like that. Yeah, that that does have like a dreamlike quality to it. Like get kind of Mm -hmm. out of controlness. Right. And everything's just kind of vague and shadowy. Mm -hmm. But then to immediately, I proved I'm not in a dream with this warm (laughs) Coca-Cola on my head. (laughs) (laughs) Like, ah, yes, that makes sense. (laughs) So he walks around his neighborhood and he's like banging on all the doors. Like, hello, hi, hello. He tries to call his girlfriend, but he can't make the phone call. It drops. It doesn't go through. He thinks there must have been a sudden attack. This guy makes some wild leaps. <laughs> I know. <laughs> there's there's a power outage and no one's awake, so it must be an attack. I'm, I'm either in a dream or terrorists. <laughs> but it gets weirder because he just breaks into some of the houses And they are like movie sets where it looks like nobody actually lives there. Like the beds are made and everything is perfect in the closets and the counters are clean, but nobody's around. Is this like a Truman show? I don't know what he's going for in this first chapter, honestly. It feels like it got away from him. He decides to walk the five miles into town because either he doesn't have a car or he doesn't think it'll turn on. Doesn't even try. (laughs) Doesn't even try. Doesn't even mention if he ever owns a car. Doesn't break into someone else's car and try to... (laughs) No, because he has neighbors and um, there's cars parked on the street, but Mm. he, I don't think he does anything with them. He's just like, I'm going to walk into town. In town, all the doors to all of the buildings, the shops, grocery stores are all wide open, but they don't have any power either. Mm -hmm. So he walks in and out of stores, diners, shops, like, hello, and trying lights and nobody's there. He goes into the diner. But he can't smell anything like he's expecting to smell grease and, you know, old food smells. Isn't it the middle of the night? It is. And most restaurants really don't smell at night. Mm. But he goes and finds the leftover food cooler and eats a burger and it tastes like ash. 
<laughs> Why is he just pilfering food? Like I don't know if he's trying to prove to himself that he's still in a dream or if he's in reality. Yeah, this definitely feels like someone trying to explain their dream. <laughs> yeah. He sees and hears ghostly figures. So like turns and ah ha ha people running away. <laughs> he goes and chases them across Maybe this town. Guy sucks. <laughs> He does. <laughs> Everybody else just avoids him. <laughs> it's a prank. It's a town-wide prank. <laughs> that would be amazing. Mm. Um, so he chases them all over town, like mm. all into in and out of these different stores. He finally turns the corner and bumps into a human, and it's a woman named Jess, and she offers him a cup of coffee. So they go back to the diner. And she pours two cups of coffee and puts milk in his, and he drinks it, and it tastes perfect, which surprises him. So he had one ashy burger, and he's just like, this is all food everywhere yes. tastes like this. Yes. I can never taste food again. Wild leaves. <laughs> and then, but if they had, didn't have electricity, how did she make coffee? Yeah. Maybe warm some water over a candle. Eh. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't explain it, does it? She, so her name is Jess, and she seems like just imperturbed. Like, oh yeah, power outage. I walked down to the diner and made coffee, no biggie. Yeah. It's not her diner. She <laughs> doesn't work there. Yeah. She's just a woman on the street offering him coffee. That's so weird. <laughs> he goes to the bathroom, and Jess promises to wait for him. He's like, stay here, don't leave. And he waddles off to the bathroom. His phone <laughs> rings, but the call drops. And he can't answer it. He goes back out and Jess is gone. Of course. <laughs> Quote, how could a person disappear without making a sound? I've never been one to believe in aliens, but what if? <laughs> <laughs> he was in the bathroom with the door closed. Yeah. Right? <laughs> how would that be without a sound? This guy makes like Alex Jonesy and leaps. That's yeah. what this is. Oh, God. Yeah. What is like, He is so so paranoid. <laughs> From the get-go. Just absolutely paranoid. Yeah. And I mean, like, if you're already in this mental state, why wouldn't you go back to bed? Mm -hmm. Daylight, everything would be better. Even yeah. if you still didn't have power, you would be able to see. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he decides to walk to work. A research company that does work for the government. No one is there. There's no security. But the doors are wide open because all of the doors are wide open. There's no lights on. He can't get the generator to turn on. He thinks... If we are under attack, it's not from a human enemy. Why does he keep going back to this? <laughs> Why does he keep going to aliens? <laughs> he can't find answers or any people. So he walks back to town. Hmm. So wakes up. There's no power. Walks into town. Finds one person. Flips out. Walks to his job. Walks back to town. Can't find anybody. In his mind, while he's thinking, it's like, this is the end of the world. So he walks back to town, and a person talks to him. A person is there. This person is named Greg. And Greg says, Jess is looking for him. She's at the diner. What is, what? What is a stream of consciousness nonsense? Like, okay. Like, how does Greg know who he is? Yeah. How does Greg know Jess? Because none of these people knew each other before this night. Yeah. As far as we know, Will doesn't know anyone at right. all. So Will and Greg go back to the diner, and Jess has three cups of coffee waiting. Like she knew Greg and Will would show back up. 
uh, Will leans on the wall and hits a light switch and all the lights come back on. So they're all excited and run into every store and turn on every light. They go to the theater and the movie currently playing is I Am Legend. Greg wants to watch the movie and just knows how to do projection, apparently. Okay. Quote. As the movie starts, we settle down and give a big round of applause to Jess. End of chapter. Who is this for? <laughs> Himself. <laughs> Whoever the author Mary sued him, the Will character, just so hard. You'll find out things about this character later that you'll realize why it's the self-insert character so strongly. Okay. But at the beginning, I was just freaking confused. I spent the first like third of this book just utterly, utterly lost. Mm. Honestly, <laughs> this is the kind of book that would like gaslight me. Like maybe I maybe I'm the stupid one. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing too. I was like, wait, what did I miss? I'm rereading it. Nope. They skip clues that they should have told you. Mm -hmm. They skip things that he should have known. He doesn't actually tell you the uh, like the the reader what's going on that he does know. Yeah, it's infuriating. So, chapter two, we shift perspective to Jess's point of view, mm -hmm. and it's still first person present tense. Yeah. So at first you don't know who's talking. I will just give it to you as a sensible author would. <laughs> yeah. So again, 12 pages in, you, you finally get the name then. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's a pattern. He <clears throat> seems to have done this on purpose. I know. Oh my God. So Jess is asleep at her desk and gets woken up by her boss. She's in the real world, in the daytime, at her job, and she hasn't been sleeping well, so she's jostled awake. Um, she types up a report and starts walking home to leave early because she has a headache. The movie at the theater is I Am Legend, and she thinks that's a weird coincidence. Mm -hmm. She goes to the diner and gets a coffee, and her sister Mary joins her. Jess sees a photograph in the newspaper and exclaims, Oh my god, that's him! That's the guy from my dream! So the reason I Am Legend is a coincidence because the previous events up until this point have been her dream. But from Will's perspective, she was there also. What he experienced was in her dream, but she didn't experience his side of it. Her, he, she experienced her right. side of it. So they're just having a shared dream. Kind of. Thing. That's what you are meant to believe going into this. Okay. But what's weird is Will is dead. The picture is for his obituary. So he's alive in this dreamscape. And this is from some other time, maybe. But I Am Legend is still playing, so it has to be like the same week. Yeah. So an article reveals that William Jacob Snow was murdered in his bed two days ago. He was the CEO and owner of Snow Enterprise. So that is who the main character was at the beginning. Did it say what Snow Enterprises does? We we learn that later. Oh, okay. Yeah, he doesn't, they, we, we don't learn any of that until maybe a third of the way through the book. Hmm. It's just like, why does this need to be a suspenseful, I don't know what they're doing? Yeah. Like, why, why, why are you dangling this information mm -hmm. in front of us like, oh, don't you want to know? come keep reading mm. like there's so many other things you could use to like <laughs> keep us curious 
It's like dangling a piece of broccoli to get your cat interested. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Jess runs outside and hails a cab. She tells him to take her to 1208 Beachwood Drive, which turns out to be Will's house. What do you mean turns out? She didn't know what she just knew this address in her head. She doesn't know Will. She doesn't know that it's his house, but she gets there and she magically knows where to find the spare keys and she lets herself into a crime scene. Why does she know this? Like her and Will never discussed this in the dream space. Nope. None of this was in the dream space. Not like his address or why she would need to know any of this. And apropos of nothing, just knows it. Mm -hmm. Fine. (laughs) So she uses a second key to open a safe. And takes out a laptop and an ID, ID card that are Will's. On leaving, she bumps into a neighbor. He asks her name, and when she replies, Jess, he says, Oh, I'm so sorry about Will, but he talked about you so much. I feel I know you. <laughs> this doesn't come back. This is never explained. What? <laughs> That's such a weird drop to never go back to. That almost sounds interesting. Like, that's almost Time Traveler's Wife Mm -hmm. stuff. Or the lake house. Yeah. (laughs) No, never. Because the entire book, I was like, okay, so how did, are we going to go back in time and she had amnesia or this is a separate false life or false dreams? Nope. It's just, it's just lost. Just dropped and thrown away. I was very disappointed Mm -hmm. and pissed off. You know who won't piss me off? Unless it's gold advertising. <laughs> uh, is it is it our ads and services? Yes. That's good. Glad we have those. Ads and services. They keep the world going round. Hey, Biblio fans, friends, and fiends. Just taking a moment to tell you how to find our growing community. We're on Facebook and Instagram, where we try to post as often as we can. We have a subreddit that will start as soon as we get over our crippling fear of it. And, of course, our YouTube. Look us up at Bibliorex, spelled B-I-B-L-I-O-W-R-E-C-K-S. We'd love to hear suggestions and chat about bad books there, as well as over email. Our email is... Bibliorex at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Now let's get back to that bad book. You know who stops the world going round? Someone in this book. Oh, God. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, spoiler, they end up being vampires who are allergic to sunlight, and that's no. why they stop the sun. No. They stop the earth churning. <laughs> what? <laughs> Not what? I'm sorry. Yes, it's true. I just had to come in from um, break and that that throw off was just what I needed (sighs) to come in. Okay. You've... (sighs) Baited, you've baited this very well. Yes. What the fuck and why the fuck? It's so annoying because those could actually be really interesting things. And they're given part of a chapter at the very end of the book. And then it's a throwaway too. So we'll get there. But (laughs) I'm betting it's not going to be so. It's not. Mm -hmm. Like I said, X-Files without the charm or cute people. Mm. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like we just had one Scully. Just just one. Because Jess, her recurring theme, her thought, her phrase she says over and over is, how can you fall in love with someone you only met in a dream? She literally falls in love with Will because he's the protagonist. But they didn't even talk. 
They barely talk at all. Like they have like two sentence conversation in the diner. She she set up a movie for him to watch that she didn't watch with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So she's confused and goes back to the cab and goes to Mary's house. Mary is her sister. I think I mentioned that. Um, she explained she went to Will's house and retrieved the items. Mary is shocked. Like, the only sensible person with the only sensible response. How did you know that was there? And why would you break into a crime scene? Yeah, and, <laughs> and steal his stuff. Evidence and steal stuff from someone who was murdered in their sleep. They try to unlock the computer. And Jess's name is the password. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jess notices a man who had been watching Will's house is now here watching Mary's house. So she takes Mary's keys and laptop and drives away. <laughs> Why'd she take Mary's key? Because she takes Mary's car. She doesn't have her own car. Does she uh, Does she steal that too? She's just like, give me your keys. I've got to get out of here. And she's like panicking and paranoid. Like every character in this book just has a irrational paranoia for no reason. So yeah, she's like, give me your laptop. Give me your keys. Because I guess the guy had seen her leave with the laptop and mm -hmm. she wanted him to think she was currently taking the laptop so she jumps in her sister's car drives away she hears a loud bang and loses control end of the chapter okay did did the guy like shoot her tires out we actually never find out what happened a fucking of course point. we don't <laughs> no and later on they drive the car like nothing had happened <laughs> <laughs> fuck this book <laughs> yeah fuck this book <laughs> jeez Chapter three. So we return to Will at the movie theater. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'm getting the hang of this. So we have a chapter of Will and then a chapter of Jess and a chapter of Will. Okay. Like I'm following this. Is the next chapter going to be fucking Greg? No, I don't think we ever have Greg's perspective. But at one point we do have unknown perspective. So that'll be fun. So we're back at the movie theater with Will. He goes up to the projection booth and Jess is on the floor unconscious and bleeding from her head. Her last memory is starting the movie. So they like pat her because she's bleeding from her temple and they're like waking her up and putting water on her face. And so did she like fall out of the projection booth? She just fell over and hit her head because in order for us to return to Will's perspective, she has to be unconscious. Okay. At this point in the book, that is true. So I'm like, I'm guessing okay. that doesn't stay consistent. It does not. But it's okay. like, okay, at this moment in time, <laughs> this seems to be the back and forth. I can deal with this. Okay. I can I can accept this. Seems, okay. It seems sensible in a way. So they are hungry. So they go back to the diner and Will cooks them all burgers. So this is like still supposedly the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. That Will is at, and he goes back to the diner, and Greg wonders where all the cooks and waiters are. And Will tells them about his PhD in genetics and his research facility on the outskirts of town. So they're just kind of like talking randomly, and Will cooks them food, and they sit down to eat. They can't eat it, and it turns into ash because... Okay. No, it tastes fine. It's normal food. Why not? Why? I don't know. <laughs> Because you'd think that would be the one thing that would be consistent. Why'd the other burger turn just turn into ashes? Like, was that just a shitty burger? No. <laughs> it was like, it was read to you like it made a point. Yeah. But then it didn't because they're eating together now. Right. So I don't know if it's like when he's apart from Jess, 
he doesn't really live. But then when he's with Jess and Greg, he's able to interact with real people and real food because we found out he's dead. So is this his ghost? But then later we find out, no. So I just feel like it's a really shitty premise or never really thought out. Like it's like the author himself didn't know and couldn't be bothered to stop and think about it. Like, I think there's some lore aspect to vampires not being able to eat regular food. And uh, that would have been such a great tie in because reading it the second time, I was like, oh, maybe they have the alien hybrid genes that these other people do and they can't eat human food. That would have made sense. And that's why they weren't impacted by the bomb that caused all of this. Wait, I thought they were vampires. Yeah, too. There's there's those two. All right, just keep going. (laughs) So they're eating and chatting, and Jess is shocked. So you're Will Snow? My God, I can't believe I'm having dinner in a diner with one of the richest men in the country. She didn't know his fucking name until... (laughs) What? I want to know why one of the richest men in the country owns a little research facility a few miles outside of a little town mm-hmm. and is walking around. Yeah. Like to me, that's just like, not at all. Like, I think it's meant to, Oh, just sees him as, Oh, he's an important guy. Now it has no bearing on the story. Really? Yeah. We just have to know that the main character is important and super cool. Yeah. And wealthy. Okay. So they want to know about his research. He explains that they have the Roswell alien ship at his research building. Yeah, sure. Just fucking talk about that. There's no secrecy needed. And he offers to show it to them. What is this? It's like, yeah, you're my only friends now. Yeah. And like, he wants to impress them. Like suddenly impressing them is his only thought. This feels like, is he 12? He tells them that microwaves, computers, etc., all that came from the alien technology from the Roswell plane. Editing Bam here. I just wanted to uh, let you guys know something about that. The Roswell incident didn't happen until 1947, but the microwave was invented October 8th, 1945. So I don't know what the fuck this guy is going on about. And then we find out that Greg actually works there already. In the experimental pilot program, he trains the test pilots. But he's really desperate to see the Roswell plane and is so excited when Will takes them in to see it. What? So that makes no character sense at all. So Greg already works there. Greg should know Will as his boss. Yeah, and Will should at least passingly know the guy that's training his pilots. Yes. It's not described as like a giant military facility. This is one that's big enough. His office is down the hall on the right past the elevator Mm -hmm. because they go to it multiple times. He's literally can walk from town out a road to this facility and has like a single gate with a soldier to stop you coming in. (laughs) And so conveniently, an old Ford truck behind the diner turns on and works for them. So they drive down to the research center. Will and Jess go inside to get Will's key card from his office because he doesn't have it on him. And he just throws a top secret folder at her about his research for her to read while he investigates a flashing light on his computer. What? He's like, here, have some easy reading. Top secret folder. I gotta fi- I gotta follow this flashy bit on my computer. Yes, there's a flashing light on my computer. 
So Will finds out that the device his company has produced has been used. The device, quote, could possibly change the Earth's rotation. If this happened, it would, theoretically, keep us in total darkness. That had as many commas as my reading implied. Why do you want to stop the Earth's rotation? Why is that a goal? I think there's that's a, a lot side of other, effect. There's a lot of other shit that would happen too if you stopped the Earth's rotation. Everyone would die for one. Yeah. <laughs> like, number one, the supersonic winds that would not stop if the Earth stopped. Mm-hmm. Number the sub two, side would bake. The dark and the side, other would, side freeze. would freeze. Mm hmm. And what would happen to the moon? It would get sling slingshotted out into space. Science, science, shush, shush, shush. Uh. <laughs> so Will and Jess go to check on a more dangerous bomb because that's the little bomb. While Greg goes to look at the Roswell ship, the weapon they're going to look for is a biochemical warhead and UV burst on a time delay. The warhead has an inhalant that causes humans to become allergic to UV rays. The UV burst then atomizes the infected humans. It will kill all humans in a 300-mile radius. Why? This is supposed to be the end, like, the end of nuclear weapons because now we can just atomize all humans. And the idea is the bioweapon is taken from vampires found under the South Pole. I told you, (laughs) X-Files, without any of the good writing. (laughs) Why do you want a bomb like that? I... Uh, that will just immediately end humanity that doesn't that's not why bombs are there and this isn't even one you could like come back from this yeah. isn't even one and and it's meant you're meant to believe like no one could survive it like nobody could hide from it even though it would be a gas and the gas is like something you'd inhale and it would turn you into a vampire and then it would blast uv radiation that would make you die because you're a vampire now. that's so much extra It it really is. Why? This is like the crux of the whole book. Because one of these bombs is missing and it's been used. Baffled by why you would make a bomb like this. And why some dang research company on the edge of some town would have it and not like the military in a super secret like top, you know, security base. Are you okay? I'm trying to think of an even stupider analogy, but I can't. (laughs) Here, I'm going to turn you into a vampire (laughs) so that we can also shine a really bright light at you and kill you. That's literally the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Oh, God. Okay. (laughs) So he goes into the freezer and sees one of the UV bombs is missing. Mm Mm-hmm. His phone is ringing, but when he picks it up, he's like, hello, hello, and nobody can hear him. But instead, he listens to a conversation between Jen, his girlfriend, and someone who sounds like himself. His sound-alike tells Jen to bring her laptop to a meeting with the director. So that kind of makes you think, okay, so he is a ghost, Mm -hmm. right? But maybe his 
not dead person yet is still out there. Maybe that's like his past self and he can't recognize it for some reason. Right. Like he doesn't remember this happening before he died, but this is his past self. So I was still kind of like hooked on like, okay, this is him in Ghost World or him in Dream World or something like that. So he tries to figure out who took the bomb and where it detonated. He goes to the radio and speaks to someone in Norfolk. They tell him that a detonation occurred at 2,400 hours. Wait, 2,400 hours doesn't exist? It would be zero. I mean, midnight. No, it'd be, that would be 12. Well, it goes over to zero. Does have, military time go to zero? Yeah, you have 23. I thought it was like 59. 24 and then zero. No, zero or, is Then midnight. one. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Target. 36 degrees, 31 feet north, 75 degrees, 13 feet west. This is where the detonation occurred. Mm-hmm. Name, Galax, Virginia. <laughs> Casualties, infrared shows no human life within 300 radius. Power grid is now functioning in these areas. No sign of radiation. Rotation of the planet has been modified 66.5 degrees off of perpendicular. Cause unknown. He's in that town. That's where the research facility is, is in Galax. Oh. All this time, him walking around the place, going to the movie theater. It's been in Galax. It's been in Galax. Or as some people would call it, Galax. Only automated <laughs> machines call it Galax. No, I heard a audiobook narrator that brought what? up. Yeah. It was uh, another author from North Carolina or South Carolina. Oh, my gosh. So not a local. Yeah, I mean, local-ish. I mean, North Carolina is not that far. Right. For the listeners, I used to live in Galax. Mm. <laughs> and so when I reread this, I was like, wait, this is supposed to be in Galax. I know the movie theater. It's not next to a diner. <laughs> what (laughs) um you can't walk down you know from apartments Mm -hmm. to a diner and then to the movie theater there's no apartments next door to the theater there's a food city a mcdonald's and a strip of stores (laughs) that i was like wait what galax So this multi-billionaire richest man in the country with this uh, super secret bomb is just right outside of Galax. I see. Mm -hmm. So the target had been changed from Washington, D.C. at 2350 hours. So it was supposed to drop on Washington, D.C. and instead drop on Galax. I get the feeling that he was one of those, I gotta have my guns so I can defend myself. Oh, no one's ever going to attack Galax. What if they get diverted from D.C.? A misdirected bomb. (laughs) That was meant for D.C. My bunker will save me now. (laughs) Uh, Can you imagine how much shit whoever launched the missile would get? Like, you're aiming for D.C., but you fuck it up so bad and so early on that it goes way to the bottom of another state. I mean, kills kills what? 20, 50,000 people max versus the millions you would find in D.C.? (laughs) You're not allowed to touch the missiles anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Basically, someone from Snow Enterprise dropped a human-killing missile on Galax, and Will has to figure out who and why. So that becomes the story. 
he has to discover this and track it down and whatever. I'm betting he did it. I think we do figure out who did it mm. at the end of the book. I think that is one of the few things they actually pulled through and had a uh, an ending to that story. Was it fucking Greg? It, it was, was some random guy named Major Brandt. <laughs> But <laughs> we don't meet. So like, a, fu- a nobody, a nobody, nothing from, an unknown. Okay. Yes. Fuck this book. <laughs> yes. So Will's girlfriend, Jen, is actually an undercover FBI agent because they know that there's like a double agent in the company and she's trying to help figure out who it is. So he's like, OK, I need to talk to Jen. And we can figure out who did this drum, but the bomb dropping. (laughs) 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 He tries to call her, but the answering machine picks up instead. And that made me remember that this was written in 2008 and answering machines (laughs) are still a thing. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (sighs) Oh. And hey. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember answering machines. <laughs> Do you know what won't engineer a bomb that will turn you into a vampire that will then burst you with UV rays to kill you instantly? <laughs> oh, the sponsors, I hope. <laughs> we can't promise that, but we got a good feeling. We can try. We can try. Hello, Biblio freaks, geeks, and lovers. Bugs here. We wanted to let you know about our option to follow us on Patreon. We have a couple of tiers where you can listen to our bad book, bad movie review. We read a bad book and then we watch its bad movie counterpart. In the past, we've done Aragon, Shadow Builder by Bram Stoker, and we have a lot of different things in the future. Please let us know if you have any suggestions for future bad book, bad movie combos and let's get back to the podcast and welcome back little vampires and bombs (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know what the fuck that meant either well and it's sad because you don't even really learn about the vampires till the appendices at the back what (laughs) but i'm just going ahead and telling you now so you get the understanding of the book that i had on the second read through Because otherwise you would be much more frustrated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I was. <laughs> I was very, very frustrated. Uh. So Will takes them back to the experimental plane control center and shows just how to control this experimental plane with voice activation and a stylus on a screen. She's very impressed. Oh, sorry. It was she- a palm <laughs> pad because it's 2008. <laughs> <laughs> not palm pilots <laughs> it's oh, a God. palm pilot <sighs> and it's like oh you can draw your finger from this point to that point and the airplane just goes there magically amazing amazing you can say do a barrel roll and it'll just do it magically perfectly in front of you and that's like an afs systems is like this super high-tech ai But that's not uh, described until the appendices either. But when you hear me referring to AFS, it's just this super advanced AI that Snow Enterprises uses to control its planes. Hmm. That's all it is. I mean, back then, AI wasn't quite the trigger word that it is now. Right. I mean, they don't call it AI. I don't. Well, maybe he does at one point in the book. Hmm. 
But it's like we had Roswell, so we had the alien DNA, mm-hmm. and then we also had a meteor from Mars, and there was special metal from Mars that gave them this lighter than air technology and faster than light technology. So that's how these planes are super special and how their bombs have these special abilities. Mm-hmm. <sighs> to turn people into vampires. Yeah. I'm never going to let that go. I know. <sighs> so Will asks the smart plane, who told it to drop the bomb? And it's Will's own code from 390 South Main Apartment 204. Which is Mary, Jess's sister's apartment. So I was thinking, wait, Jess took Will's laptop and key card to Mary's apartment uh, and they got left there. Okay. Maybe Mary's the double cross. Oh, okay. Maybe this is making sense. Yeah, that almost sounds clever. That almost sounds like it would be something. Go on. I had my hopes up. <laughs> <laughs> but a major grant authorized the mission start and its coordinates are out in the ocean so it's like it was using will's laptop and passcode but the actual military authorization from was was from this major grant and it knew his coordinates were which were in a mountain range out in the ocean so like under the ocean floor and it's just really weird and random Will locks all the systems from other users, so it's only he who can use it now with his fancy password and voice activation That Jess knows. Yes. (laughs) Jess touches a control panel, it sparks, and she gets knocked unconscious. Because that's how we change perspectives. Except not this bloody time, because that would have made sense. Well, kind of. She gets knocked unconscious in the dream, and so then she wakes up in real life. Okay. So kind of, but it's like, it's just, the transition isn't good in this story. Yeah, it's like a scene transition for for Lost. Someone has to get knocked out. Yeah. Or like Bella in Twilight. So Jess wakes up in the hospital. She insists she was just with Will. But Mary reminds her that Will has been dead for four days. And uh, and Jess is like, the newspaper said two days ago, that's because Jess was in a coma for the last two days from the car wreck okay. that she was in. And that's how she had all this time to do all this stuff with Will in the dreamscape place. Uh, so why does Mary know who Will is now? From the newspaper, I guess. Sure. So Mary says Jess was in Iraq and has been in a coma. So Mary leaves to go make a phone call and Jess tries to call Snow Enterprise, but accidentally calls the operator. Twin County Regional, how may I help you? He tells her to press nine to dial out. How? (laughs) It's just to prove she's at the Galax Hospital. What? Because that's the name of the hospital in Galax is Twin County Regional. Okay. So she gets a hold of Major Brandt at Snow Enterprises, but when he answers, she hangs up. All right. And I was like, what was the point of that? I guess she just had to confirm he was real, maybe? Maybe, because all of that other stuff happened in a dreamscape. Yeah. So the nurse comes in and says she has a visitor, um, but she says to send him away. But she needs to, like, get a look at him before the nurse sends him away. And she looks through the door. It's the guy who ran her off the road. Oh, no. she get ran off the road? I thought the car just blew a tire and she just lost control. It's at this point we're meant to think she got ran off the road. Oh, no. 
Okay. So she's like scared of him. Like, oh, that's the guy who was watching me at Mary's house. That's oh, the guy who right. followed okay. me. And ah. I thought you meant like another random driver was just. No, just this is like up. the same guy that she's paranoid about. Okay. So she gets dressed and her and Mary sneak out of the hospital to Mary's car. That was just in an accident. Well, I mean, it was an accident like two days before. So maybe it oh, was yes, just the like a speedy blown car tire. dealers in Kalex. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So they turn around and the guy is at the car and he tells them to get in. She doesn't recognize him, so he tells her he is Greg. <laughs> I know. It's gotta be Greg. It was Greg. He says that the accident was just an accident. And that they work together. He hands her her ID card from Snow Enterprise. So she also works at fucking Snow Enterprise? Apparently. And Mary is like, wait, what? You work at this other place, Cunningham Research. And she's like, what have you been keeping from me? And Jess is like, what have I been keeping from myself? Uh, so at this point i don't know where she works i don't know who she is i am confused neither does fucking she no neither does she neither does anyone nobody knows so they drive to mary's compartment everyone in the story is also confused nothing gets explained to anybody or me <laughs> this is my personal hell like no internal logic mm-hmm. everything just keeps happening and it's nothing's ex- explicable mm-hmm. well it gets better greg reveals that mary is actually jen will's girlfriend undercover fbi informant <laughs> and also mary jess's sister <laughs> It's the same person. Fuck you, Greg. <laughs> fuck you. And, and fuck this story. <laughs> and Jess is like flipping out like, what? You're an FBI informant? How did I not know? Wait, you're dating Will? You didn't know who Will is? And Mary and Mary is like, what? You work at this place? No, you don't. You work at Cunningham Research. You don't work at Snow Enterprise. And they're all melting down and none of it makes sense. <laughs> Everyone's just stressed out and doesn't know what's happening. Yep. They're just like chickens with their head cut off. (laughs) This doesn't just keep going. I can't. So Greg opens Will's laptop and Mary Jen, I just call her Mary Jen because she's both, (laughs) enters the password because she knows all of Will's passwords, apparently. I thought the password was just her name. Just well, a, and then now it's this big, long, fancy code that well, I didn't write down because I don't care. It's like AJ8253FR. And I'm like, where did that come from? Jess knows the access code and they talk to the AFS system. The AFS system tells them a timer is set to detonate a UV bomb on Washington, D.C. on July 4th, 2009 at 1300 hours. Okay. So at their point, that's in the future. But why does it matter? Because the vampire bomb went off in Galax. But it hasn't in her waking life because they live in Galax. They all live in Galax. This is all happening in Galax. Okay. So the bomb went off in the dreamscape that Will is in. It hasn't gone off, but it's going to in the current waking reality that Jess is in. So why isn't it just going to, the initial bomb get knocked off course like the original one? So they almost have that catch. Like, 
oh no, you entered, you you bypassed the thing. It's going to make it go off. It, you're going to throw it off course and it'll end up in Galex and explode like Will's experience had been. Yeah. But they don't go with it. They don't actually follow through with that. So it's like that's where he was intending to go and then got sidetracked because that would have made a tiny little bit of sense. Mm -hmm. The authorization code is Major Brands. Wait, I had written Major Grant. It's quite possible it was Grant and now it's Brant because he would never write the word since, S-I-N-C-E. Every time it was written, it was since, S-E-N-S-E. Oh and he God. couldn't write there or there. He he mistook oh there and God. there throughout the whole book. Misspelled words. Um, there was missing spaces between words. Mis way too many commas. I mean, the first three pages, there's no paragraph breaks at all. Mm. <laughs> so at this point, it's starting to feel like we're punching down. <laughs> I know, but he kind of seems like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> like this author just getting through this and his Mary Sue and then reading his other stuff on the book. I'm like, mm. eh. So Greg announces he has enough to arrest Major Grant and leaves. He's like, oh, we got this tidied up. All done. Here yeah, we go. I, the pilot trainer, will go arrest him now. Yes. I, the nobody at this research facility, are going to go arrest this guy. So this is where we finally actually learn about the vampires and aliens. Mm -hmm. And I wrote it all down. So I'm just going to tell you what is on here. So Mary and Jess are like, well, you've been keeping secrets from me. Mm. But you've been keeping secrets from me. Fine. Tell me what you know. And they're like, they just, they just, um... Tell us the whole story. They they just lay out all of the crux of all of the stuff that the authors really wanted to get to. Exposit to he, each he's other. Really, ex yes, they're expositing to each other, and also we never get to see cool aliens like they sometimes do in X Files. Yeah. So this is them just talking about it, and that's the closest we get to the cool sci-fi stuff. So the Roswell ship had the alien and the alien DNA on it. They used it to create alien-human super soldiers. Quote, In 1980, at the South Pole, under 400 feet of ice, sonar found bodies. When they were dug up, these bodies came back to life. Further studies determined them to be vampires, but not your Hollywood type. They had no problem with sunlight, eat regular food, and don't die when you stake them through the heart. In <laughs> fact, there is no known way to kill them. Cut off any extremity, even a head, and they grow it back. Does the head grow the body back, or does the body grow the head back? Unexplained. Because then you just have two vampires. And they make more, I don't know. So then I was like, well, wait, I thought maybe in Will's dreamscape, he had some of this DNA stuff and that made him survive the blast. Because we then find out that the UV bomb material doesn't impact alien hybrids or vampire hybrids. So the vampires that they got this initial DNA from were immune to sunlight. At what point do they stop being vampires? When they decide that they're going to rotate the Earth because they're allergic to UV rays. And that's why they're hiding at the bottom of the ocean. But they're immune to sunlight. Because that's what's, that's what's explained here in the text. What the fuck? It is. And so I was like, well, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I, I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> 
It's so vague. It is so muddled and mixed up. So the idea is that this UV bomb material is being sold, unlike this DNA material is being sold, and that's what the double agent was doing, and that's why this bomb got sent to blow up DC, and it's just kind of like really vague because he didn't want to deal with the actual issues that would present to the story. Yeah, the actual politico that goes along with that bombing the capital of the <laughs> or the fact that like you have to have military authorization you have to have generals who make those decisions yeah and you have not to have... random people in a diner mm-hmm. or someone's apartment so mary's like okay spill the beans so jess tells her all about like her dreams and going and doing stuff with will and going to the research facility and reading all of this stuff because she's been experiencing those dreamscapes as herself while she's asleep and remembers all of those things. And she's falling in love with Will and her dreamscape. Why? I haven't seen any reason that he's a likable or good person. But he's the Mary Sue. He's the self-insert. So she must fall in love with him because she's the girl. She's not even described as pretty. She's just this blank slate who is just there to support him and make him feel liked. She's the only female that has made contact with Will throughout the story, so she automatically has to be attracted to him. Pretty much, because Mary Jen is the actual not romantic interest because it was undercover work stuff. And that hasn't been in the dreamscape. That was in reality before Will died, because Will is dead in reality. So, yeah, Will's girlfriend's sister. Mm hmm. <sighs> So at this point, because because Jess is falling in love with Will, Mary replies, you know, this is starting to sound like an X-File. Why don't I go check my messages? What? What the fuck does that mean? At the point that Jess is falling in love with her dreamscape guy. That's when Mary Jen decides it's like an X-Files. Not the Roswell plane, not the aliens, not the UV bomb. It's the following and falling in love with a ghost in your sleep. <sighs> I see. Yeah. Just like the X-Files where romance was the main interest mm-hmm. of all those episodes. Mm-hmm. One of her messages is from Will, the ghost. Who? It's like, oh, my sister's in love with a ghost. I best go. Oh, no, the ghost's contacting me. We're not told what the message was, and none of it. Then why the fuck bring it up? Why the fuck bring it up? God damn it. (laughs) We move on to Greg. (laughs) Fuck Greg. I don't want to know anything about Greg. I hope Greg goddamn dies. We're we're pretty close to All done. Right. Tell me about Greg. <laughs> so Greg calls, and no one has seen Major Brandt in three weeks. Jess says the flight code originated from the ocean, so they decide to travel there to find him. Ah, yes, the ocean. <laughs> the middle of the ocean. Greg gives Mary Jen the phone number for Admiral Grant in Norfolk. Now I have Brandt and Grant mixed up. Good Lord, why couldn't he have used better names? It is Grant. Okay. Mary calls and tells Admiral Grant that she needs an aircraft carrier. 
like the ship. Why? To take her to this place in the ocean. Why does she have that authorization? Why can't she just boss around admirals? Because she gives him Greg's security code, clearance code thing. And this admiral is sopping like wet. Like he's, yes, ma'am, whatever you need, ma'am. I will send a chopper to Twin County Regional Airport right now. Be there in 10 minutes. It'll fly you directly to the Intrepid. And they're like falling over themselves to get her to wherever she needs to go. Because of Greg's access code? Yes. So they they all know to fawn over the person with Mary, this act. Mary Jen. Not even Jess. Jess doesn't even speak for the next three or four pages. Uh, all of this is Mary Jen. So no one thought to ask, uh, why are you using fucking Greg's access code? The guy who trains pilots at this research yeah. facility. He knows the admiral and is able to give her the right codes. So they go to the airport. Get on the chapa, and it will take them to the Intrepid off the coast of Virginia. Mm-hmm. So they get on the ship. She gives them the coordinates, and they go full steam ahead because they're like, we'll be there in like two and a half hours. She's like, well, can we go any faster? And they're like, okay, we'll get there in 19 minutes. Goddamn. <laughs> She's bossing this admiral around like he's a baby. Uh, go faster. <laughs> Not like any of this actually matters. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're not actually having to wait through this. Right. Nothing is happening. Like, the, the only reason for that to be in the text is for her to be a bitch. <laughs> she is. She's just this bossy bitch who gets what she wants, but it's not portrayed as, like, bad. It's like, oh, good. They're listening to her. It's so bizarre. <laughs> it's like with Will not there, she's the Will stand-in almost. That's so so radar and sonar show an underwater mountain range, and that's where the coordinates are from. They get close, and the spy laptop that was Will's starts beeping. On the screen, a box is flashing for access, press enter. Mary Jen hits enter, and the power on the ship dies. The screen flashes recommend all stop, which she tells the captain, so he orders the ship stopped. Sure. <laughs> Everyone else listens to her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now this computer is telling them what to do. So the power comes back on. So Mary decides, hold position and get some guys up here. Yes, ma'am. So now why? she's the boss of some yeah, guys. Yeah, why is she the head of tactical movements at this point? So he's like, no, let me send my group of SEALs out to figure out what's going on. She's like, no, I'll just take four of them. That should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> at this <laughs> like no this is definitely a four a, a four man and a and and me mission mm-hmm. <laughs> me guys, just in our laptop for good <laughs> so at this point in time a huge platform rises out of the ocean at the coordinates Mary and Jess take four Navy SEALs on a blow-up dinghy to go investigate. (laughs) They get to the platform, and they see an elevator. So they go and get in. (laughs) When they get in, they lose communication with the ship. And the guy's like, oh, maybe we should go back. 
And she's like, communication with the ship is not your order or something <laughs> stupid. <laughs> it's like, not our priority. You. Fuck you. We need the plot to go forward. <laughs> <laughs> so they take the elevator down to the underwater mountain range and enter, quote, a secret government installation. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> you know, those are just everywhere. <laughs> we all know what that looks like. The spy laptop connects to the main terminal, and Mary walks toward a desk, but bumps into someone invisible. A man presses a button, and suddenly the room is full of soldiers. I'm Colonel James, USMC. Welcome to Experimental Site 2. So they're walking into this room, four SEALs and two women, and she bumps into somebody. And then suddenly the room is full of men who are soldiers. The SEALs don't do anything about that. They they just, they don't even exist really going yeah. forward. They don't say anything, do anything. Mm. So we find out that the soldiers are alien hybrids who can go invisible until a power cell zaps them and makes them reappear. How are they alien hybrids? I don't think this guy knows what alien, unless they were born there. This is like a shot of DNA that gives them magical powers. At, at best, that makes them like a chimera mm -hmm. type thing. That's not hybridization. That's, that's genetic engineering. Mm -hmm. <sighs> but now they are deathly allergic to sunlight. Good. <laughs> I wish everybody <laughs> in the store was allergic to sunlight. <clears throat> Greg calls because he has that ability, even though they can't communicate with their ship. Yes, they can answer calls in this research facility. Sure. And Mary talks to him. The laptop wants to download something. Colonel James says yes. Greg says no. Mary decides it's time to leave. So Mary, Jess, and the four seals get in the elevator and return to the ship. What? They just go down there and are like, oh, this is weird. Like, hey, we're a secret, we're a secret military installation. All right, bye. Yes, that's what happened. <laughs> and this Colonel James guy is like, I don't know if I can let you leave. And the head of the SEALs just points a gun at him. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> God, <yes. laughs> so fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so they go all the way back up the elevator. And they go back to the ship. Mary asks, goes to the captain and asks for the fastest jet they have to return them to Galax. <laughs> God, what a bitch. <laughs> She's like, hey, thanks for bringing us out here. We got to see something kind of neat. And then we left. Take us the fuck back home. Right now. Mm -hmm. In under 90 minutes. <laughs> the laptop shows a countdown to detonate the device and plunge the western hemisphere into permanent darkness they guess the passcode and cancel the detonation everyone thinks the super soldiers it? are fine they just guessed it yeah what <laughs> was there even like a struggle no they were just like one, two, three, four. Yeah. But then it was like one, two, three, five. Yeah. <laughs> I hate this so much. Everyone thinks the super soldiers are comp 
behind the conspiracy to detonate this uh, turn off the light bomb because they're allergic to sunlight. <laughs> but they're not vampire people. They're very specifically alien hybrids <laughs> at that point. <sighs> so Mary is like, I'm so sorry, Jess. I apologize. I know you'd want to kill me. But if the roles were reversed, you would do what you had to do. Here, take the spell. What did she even do? What did anyone do? So Nothing happened. She hands her a pill and just takes it and swallows it pill and one? falls asleep. Why did she <laughs> why did she have to take a pill? To make her go to sleep so we can return to Will. Of course. <laughs> why did Mary have that just ready? I don't because Mary didn't understand any of this fall asleep talk to Will thing until like 20 minutes ago. So she's just like, all right, we couldn't we couldn't do we can't do anything else more interesting than what we already did at this point. Go to sleep. Yeah, to make the plot happen, go to sleep. <laughs> go to sleep. Uh, <laughs> make the scent put me out of my misery. <laughs> Jess returned to the waking world by touching the control panel and getting zapped. Mm -hmm. So she returns to time with Will grabbing her as she's like falling over. She comes to and tells Will they need to go to the hospital. Suddenly there are like a ton of soldiers or combatants or dog bears in the research facility. What the fuck? What do you mean, dog bears? You can't just... No. What the fuck are dog bears doing? Hold on a second. I'll find it. I haven't even read this, and this is going to drive me insane. <laughs> yes. Dog bears. Greg lifts his hand off of Jess's shoulder and yells or says, sorry, Jess, man, you got some big ass dogs around here. I shake my head slowly. I didn't think we had any dogs here. <laughs> well, it was either a dog or a small bear, something big, hairy and with teeth. All I know for sure is I've never run so damn fast in my life. <laughs> man, you got some big dogs. <laughs> But this was like he was looking at the Roswell plane or whatever, and he comes back, and he has a scratch on his arm from one of these dog bears, and <laughs> it never gets returned to again. Right. I love it. It was just this passing. The story can't continue to fuck it up if it stops talking about it, so yep. I'm happy for it. <laughs> dog bears can remain pristine in my mind. So they're in the research hangar, and they're trying to escape and get back to the truck that they rode in to get there. Greg turns around and throws a tiny UV bomb that destroys the soldiers who are shooting at them. <laughs> the pilot instructor has a UV bomb just up his sleeve. Just handy. Uh... And they understand that whoever's attacking them is allergic to sunlight in the dream this is in the dreamscape where no one has interacted with them except for jess will and greg those have been the only three people in the entire story in the dreamscape they're now being shot at in the research facility and they need to run away all right they run to the truck but it gets shot up 
tire is blown out and then it like explodes. So they get to the chapa and Greg flies them out despite telling everyone he doesn't know how to fly helicopters. He knows how to just hop in and start flying. <sighs> and he spins it around and shoots down two military jets. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to fly this helicopter, and then someone just puts on a fortunate sign, and he he figures it out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he flies them to the Twin County Hospital and lands on the helicopter pad. Great. Which I don't even know if they have a helicopter pad. <laughs> it's a tiny hospital yeah. up on that hill. <laughs> <sighs> Jess tells Will they need to get to room 436, and they put her in a wheelchair and go up to the fourth hey, floor. Where is this information coming from? Why does <laughs> she know to go to room 246? Because, well, in the real lifetime, she didn't know anything about any of this. So it doesn't make any sense at all. And she had been pulling dream info and using it in real life, but they're in the dream currently, right? Yeah. Okay. So they go to the fourth floor. They go into room 436. And inside is a body laying on a gurney. It is Will Snow's body. Will Snow is looking at his own body on the gurney. Okay. Greg throws a UV bomb above the bed, blinding everyone. I have to read directly from the book because it was too much to copy down, but I need your help. <laughs> I'm just imagining him just throwing it up in the air and everyone else in the room being like, Greg, you flash banging asshole. <laughs> He's like, cover your eyes. Bam. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So everything I've led you up to. Okay. That's what happened. He throws a grenade against the wall above the bed, momentarily blinding us. So we're walking in. We're at Will's perspective. Mm -hmm. Will is the one speaking. Yes. Jess is in a wheelchair. They see Will's body on the gurney. When I open my eyes and my vision clears, I'm laying on a gurney looking up at the ceiling of the hospital room. I turn my head slowly side to side, finally spotting Will on the bed next to the gurney. What? <laughs> Will opens his eyes and looks over at me, smiling. Wait. <laughs> Mary is standing next to her on the far side of the gurney, Greg watching the door from her side, and a doctor checking the monitors next to the bed. I reach out and take Will's hand. Mary leans in. Welcome back, you two. Mm. <laughs> I fuck? don't know whose perspective this is from. <laughs> because I thought, did he switch to Jess's perspective yeah. after the flashbang? Did we return to the real world? Was Will not actually dead and thus brought him to real life? But then I sit up suddenly. We got to get out of here. Will sets up, sets up also. We gotta get Major Greg Stevens first. Fucking who? Oh, uh, correct, Greg. Greg. Yeah. <laughs> Mary jerks up. Greg's right here. She points to the guy next to her. Will, get dressed. I'll get Greg. Mary, come with me. Jess stands up and heads out the door. 
<laughs> what the fuck's happening? Ah, oh, my brain's melting. On the way to the elevators, I turn to Mary. Do you happen to have my ID with you? She digs in her purse a moment, then here. <laughs> we enter the elevators, and I press the button for the fifth floor. The doors open, and a guard in military uniform is standing there facing the elevator. This is a restricted floor, ma'am. I flash my badge at him, and he waves us on. Today's code is 482. Thanks. We hurry down the hall to Greg's room. I punch in the code, and the door opens. We file in and up to the bed. A nurse stands up and steps forward. May I help you? I reach into my purse and dig down to the bottom. I remove a black case and open it. There's a syringe in the case. I pull it out and inject it into the IV. A few moments later, Greg starts to come around. He blinks a few times. What the fuck is happening? Greg was just in the room. What the fuck is happening? What? (laughs) I don't know. I don't think an editor could have sat down with this and parsed out what was happening. No. I think he would have had to completely rewrite this. Uh. At this point, I was baffled. I went back. I reread it several times. I highlighted it. I took notes. But every character is named as someone I'm looking at. No one is I. (laughs) (laughs) Something about that reminds me of the first episode of Futurama where... Both of Bender's arms fall off, but then the camera like pans down. You see his arm <laughs> putting his other arm back on, and then that <laughs> arm going back around. <laughs> That's what this scene is like. Mm-hmm. But not funny. <laughs> I think, I think from here on out. We're following Jess's perspective. Okay. So it's somewhere in there. We did switch to Jess and she sticks. <laughs> like at some point, the, it doesn't matter which character it is. It's which flavor of will you have. Pretty much. Yeah. And along the way, we kept the Navy SEAL commander and his name is Lieutenant Helms. How is he there? They went through What? I don't care anymore. <laughs> uh, I don't know because they were in the dreamscape. So how would they have had him? And yes, uh, uh, no, no, not derailing, not derailing. <laughs> we are continuing. Uh, they go back out to the chopper, and assistance is requested for an attack at Pilot Mountain, with like three people dead and two injured. But Will says it's a decoy, just an EMF generator, not the UV bomb. How does he know this? How is he alive? Yeah. I don't know. He's been... Dead for four days. And his body has just reappeared out of nowhere. Because his ghost him rejoined his body him? It's fucking stupid. I don't know. (laughs) I I don't know. I just don't know. I'm sorry. Will thinks they took the UV bomb to the South Pole. For reasons. He just knows. Yep. (laughs) With the AFS system, they do a recon and see the UV bomb is in a facility at the South Pole with 10 soldiers around it. 
Will activates Project Star Wars and tells it to de- destroy the South Pole facility. Why? Why does he have this plan? Why? What the fuck is happening? Uh, I, he just has a ready-made plan that he himself, mm-hmm. a geneticist, a genetic researcher, right outside Galax, Virginia, implement. A, a base destroying plan in the South Pole. Mm-hmm. And someone even makes the gag, oh, not that Star Wars. And he's like, no, we didn't have quite the same cool laser shit that Reagan wanted to do or whatever. But it can completely annihilate a research center in 10 seconds because it goes at light speed. His plane has light speed technology. Go to ludicrous speed. <laughs> <laughs> so. The plane goes and shoots up the place in the South Pole. Great. That attack triggers the Russian response, which launches nuclear warheads. Good. I hope everyone in this universe dies in a nuclear winter. This triggers North Korean missile launches. Will tells AFS to upload Virus Armageddon to all computer systems, which is supposed to stop the missiles. Okay. But then there's a signal launch from the Indian Ocean. He tells them, do not engage. Consider extremely dangerous. What? And now I have to return to the book to read it to you. I hate the book. Don't go to the book. <clears throat> okay. So that was the last sentence. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do not engage. Consider extremely hazardous. We have a paragraph break. And then a space. And we start a new paragraph. Billy? Billy! Billy! Put that book down and come to dinner now. What the fuck? But Is this really... I want to find out if they caught the bad guys. What bad guys? She enters through the archway. You can finish reading it later. Your dinner's getting cold. Ah, Mom! He gets up and walks to the table. His father is watching the news. The reporter is discussing the Space Shuttle Endeavor's latest mission. A congressman is explaining the new addition to the space station. With this new satellite uplink, every U.S. military base in the world can monitor anyone in the entire country. Terrorists can now be eliminated at the touch of a button. We will guarantee there will never be another attack on American soil. That was in my book, Billy exclaims loudly. Billy, that book is just fiction. It's not real. She looks disapprovingly down at him. But mom, I swear. Just then they feel a small tremor and everything goes dark outside. Back in the living room, you can see footprints across the carpet. An impression appears in the chair cushion. Fingerprints appear on the glass table next to Billy's book. The book opens to The Secret Files. At the back of the book, to the blueprints and diagrams of the AFS system, suddenly there's a flash of bright light. The end. Please, please don't die. You look like you're having a heart attack. Uh, is this what it's like to take black tar heroin? Because <laughs> <laughs> what? <Bad trip. laughs> what the fuck is happening? That's the end I of don't... the book. Uh, I can't even. It's worse than it was all a dream. It's worse than that. Did you look up anything about the author? Because I think I want to 
wreak vengeance. <laughs> Jay looked him up but couldn't find him specifically, though. I have a feeling nothing he has ever done is online because at the very beginning of the book, it says, All rights reserved. No part of this book may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means without the prior written permission of the publishers, except by a reviewer who may quote brief passages in review to be printed in a newspaper, magazine, or journal. Publish America has allowed this work to remain exactly as the author intended, verbatim, without editorial input. They're like, we didn't touch this. <laughs> we, didn't do, we didn't have shit to do with this. And I've never seen an all rights reserve that had that kind of thing on it. So I weird. think this guy is extremely paranoid. Yeah. J.E. Davis was born in Winston-Salem, North Carolina on June 10th, 1964. He began telling stories at a very young age. After many years of telling, he began writing them down and refining them. He lives in East Bend with his wife and children. I have an autographed copy. <laughs> <laughs> it's got his signature. I hope now. I don't want to say, say that. Don't say it out loud. Uh, Me! <laughs> <laughs> I wish he gets a flat tire and someone takes his fucking shoes <laughs> and he'll never understand why so the final chapter of the book was an appendices explaining where the technology came from and so i just kind of peppered it in among the mm -hmm. stuff because yeah. i was so confused like how did you get lighter than air metal how did you yeah. get faster than light technology and so it's like supposedly these secret government files that explains how he got blah, 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 blah. It also had a lot of jargon to make you think he knew how pilots talked, yeah. how journalists wrote, how military people spoke. And it yeah. felt very fake. And it just felt like a fraud. Mm -hmm. Like he was trying and, and failed. Yeah. I give it an F. I won't even <laughs> put it on the fucking tier list. This doesn't deserve to be on the tier list. It was incoherent. It had bad grammar. It had misspellings. Like, I I wanted to go through this with a red Sharpie, mm. but I would have spent so much time trying to correct. And like that one section, it's impossible for me as a reader to understand what he was doing in that page. Yeah, because uh, just fucking up your perspectives that bad, because mm -hmm. it really mm -hmm. didn't matter in the moment. Right. And the fact that it doesn't matter means that you could probably have cut a character. Honestly, if you'd followed Jess through every single chapter, hmm. you would have had a decent through story. Yeah. Will didn't have to be the main character at all for any reason. Mm -hmm. She bumps into him. She knows all this stuff. She is really the driving character. So mm -hmm. I don't know why he's there anyway. I mean, aside, he could be a side character. Yeah. But I mean, he kind of feels like it anyway, but it, it also feels contrived to make him out to be a bigger part of the story. Mm -hmm. He, I, I'm assuming he might be a bit of a misogynist. Yeah, like we can't have two women actually running the show. Yeah. Also, that shit with neither of them knowing what was going on in each other's lives were were they actually sisters? <laughs> I got they confused. were actually sisters, and they both lived in the same town their whole lives. That is said. They lived in this town their whole lives. Yes. One of them became an undercover FBI agent mm -hmm. to date somebody 
in her hometown mm-hmm. that she has never left. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't even know what Jess thinks she does for work. We have yeah. no idea. It's just she lives in an apartment down the road, and they hang out and go have coffee at the diner all the time, and... I guess that's how she knows how to make the coffee. Yeah. She's very intently studying the the waitress as she brews the coffee and those fucking things. I was amused because I was like, hey, Galax, I've lived there. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, none of this is even describing Galax correctly. Mm-hmm. Why would you pick Galax and then not even know what what's located where? Mm-hmm. Why would you describe this huge government facility and jets coming in and out of Twin County Regional Airport? Mm-hmm. It's the tiniest, littlest, bittiest <laughs> thing. I think it's bigger than Roe Retreat, but not by much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. It was a ride. It was a wreck. This almost feels like it was AI written. If it weren't from 2008, I would assume that. Because he really lost the plot. <laughs> Yeah. Like, this is poor AI design level writing. Truly. And there was a couple, like, I honestly couldn't give you any redeeming qualities. The only part that sparked my interest was the neighbor being like, oh, you're Jess. He talked about you all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, wait. So somebody in real life also knows her Mm -hmm. and she knows them in this dreamscape. Yeah. And that was a hook to fucking nothing. Nothing. Never came back. We never learned anything. We'd never ever find out if Jess actually worked at Snow Enterprise or if she worked at that other place. I mean, apparently fucking everyone did. Yeah, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> and then to have a nuclear Armageddon at the end of the book, and then we go to a little boy reading a book, and then there's the well, Presumably reading, reading this book. Presumably. That's what you're meant to think, I Which guess. does not have an end. No. Also, what fucking bad guys was he talking about? Because there weren't any bad guys even in this book. Yeah. It was vague, oh, invisible soldiers. And that was like the best villain we got. Because we never even met me, the Grant or yeah, whatever his name was. <laughs> the one they were chasing all over the place and hadn't been seen in three weeks or whatever. Yeah, Greg nabbed him off screen or something. Or was going to? Yeah. Well, like, he just that, forgot. That part's never like followed up and we never find out what happens to that. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, that was fun, I guess. <laughs> it was amusing. <laughs> it was very amusing. <laughs> the whiplash was what was amusing. <laughs> reading it and thinking oh how is he gonna pull this together yes and at the end the the rug pull is that he fucking doesn't yep (laughs) oh wait wait i have to i have to finish out with one more thing (laughs) one last thing because this man he's a philosopher he's a poet he is a highly educated man i'm gonna leave this is his introduction to this this book and now that you've heard the book, you will appreciate his depth of knowledge and wisdom. Is he going to be like, plot? what is plot really? <laughs> in this world in which we live, we know anything is possible. New things are invented every day. Are they helping us on our way? Or are they determining our fate? Can we learn from our dreams? Or are they just setting us up for what lies ahead? Just maybe, in the right situation, we can learn from our dreams, and maybe, just maybe, we can change what and how things affect our lives. 
In this story, you will have to decide for yourself and try to figure out if dreams can tell the future, and if they do, can you change the future enough to survive? Fuck, from this story, the dreams can't even tell you the past. <laughs> like, was Will dead or not? Right, I don't know. Yeah, story doesn't fucking know. No, nobody knows. And neither are the fucking dreams. What the fuck are you <laughs> talking about, dude? That's where I got the feeling. He's just very full of himself, uh, and he thinks he is he's deep. so full of shit. He's like a gothy teenager who is so deep. But if you look at his picture, he's like in his 50s. Have you seen the picture on the back? He has a porn stash and a very angry stare. Oh, God. (laughs) He looks like he's seen some shit. He looks like a really mad boomer. Like, he looks like he could be the boomer stand-in. Yeah. Honestly, this is what I imagine Greg looking like. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) He looks like he's got some real dark shit that he wants to do but his very traditional wife won't let him do yeah i will scan this in and put it in the show notes (laughs) it's and this is his author's picture you think he would have gotten a better like professional headshot for a book yeah he looks like he bothering with this he looks like he just smoked some shit that he didn't know he was smoking Honestly, I think he's sitting in a really dark stairwell because those look like stairs behind him. And he just has this vacant, angry death glare. He looks like he's got like Vicodin sweats. (laughs) Yeah, he's very, eyes are way too, way too wide, like like wide open. And that pouty mustache, my word. And he's like sort of bald on top, but it Mm. looks like not all the way bald all the way to the back. I wonder how many people have read this. Unfortunately, now too many. (laughs) (laughs) And I've shared it with you, my dear, very deeply loved listeners. And I hope you don't hate me forever. What's the name of the book again? Shadowed by Darkness by J.E. Davis. Uh, If any of you have read Shadowed by Darkness, uh, let us know in the comments. And... We will pay for your therapy bill. (laughs) We will absolutely not. (laughs) Thank you so much, listeners, for being here with us today and enduring this crazy, crazy book. Thank you, Bam Bam, for not murdering me (laughs) and for still being my friend. (laughs) Thank you, Jay, for laughing along and keeping up with all of our tech stuff. Thank you, Lily, for letting me borrow Bam Bam for the evening. (laughs) And thank you, listeners, for being here. And give us a comment. Give us a review. Let us know what you think. And let us know if you like the uh, super long four-parters or something like this that's around an hour long. You know, we have goals to do shorter episodes, and then we fail. Yeah. I fail. I'm sorry. Well, catch us next time on Biblio Rex. Biblio Rex. <laughs>